0: naturally, I can see resistance from a lawyer on anything they would feel like would encroach on their autonomy in those areas. But a lot of our practice deals with things that are outside of our legal judgment. They're dealing with relationships. They're dealing with our clients in a business process sort of way. Well, hello and welcome to the Jay Sterling Hughes Show where we share the secrets and the strategies of how we are building a rapidly growing family law practice. You know, over the past nine years, we have grown from zero attorneys to 25 and doing over $15 million in revenue. And my purpose here is to document what's working and what's not working in our practice with hope that you can take that and you can recontextualize that in your practice and shorten your success curve. I have a very special to me guest guest, on today's show, and that is my partner, Tony Carls. So we're gonna talk through, and Tony's not a lawyer for everyone out there to know. Um, we're going to explore how we have built the firm from ground zero up to where it's at today with him being a non-lawyer, me being a lawyer, and some of the unique opportunities and the unique challenges that that's presented along the way. So for those of you who have been around locally you'll hear me joke sometimes that tony's the brains and i'm the pretty face well you're those of you on youtube are watching this today you're saying that that the reason that's so funny is i'm not even the pretty face so tony's got that covered as well and then also i first engaged with tony he became an intern at a sister company rocket clicks which is a digital marketing agency which tony coincidentally is the president of today but he started as an intern there and that was what 14 years ago tony i think I keep losing track. Yeah, it's February of 2010. Okay, so yeah, going on 14 years now next month. So just to get us going here, Tony, let's just acknowledge kind of the big matzo ball around building a law firm as a non-lawyer. So you cannot have any ownership by law in our law firm. And so that's been something we've had to work through and structure things quite a bit differently. And we'll get to that later on in the podcast. So just to be clear, Tony doesn't have any ownership at all in our law firm. Um, His ownership is in another entity that will explain how we've structured that and what all is in there and so forth. So Tony, when I first approached you back in, well, I think it was 2014 when we started, no, it was late 13. 13? Yeah. About starting a law firm that was in Colorado, if I recall, at a, at a Starbucks. And uh, what was your initial... Reaction, Because I know you were looking at something much different.
1: Initial reaction, it looked similar to the roofing opportunity we were looking at. The biggest difference that, that you kind of sold in that was intriguing was you need a hammer and a ladder to be a roofer. You need a law license to be a lawyer. So added one more layer of competitive advantage that we had. We understood a lot about marketing. We understood a lot about kind of running a sales organization. Initial reaction was I don't know anything about law. That's honestly concerning because my abilities are in not only kind of seeing where we want to go and kind of getting a structure set up to execute that but also getting in the weeds and kind of doing the work with people and like i have zero access to do that which kind of that was that was concerning to me it's been one of the biggest challenges that we've had over the last you know since opening in 14 just how to work through that and work through others and figure that out. So that's been a stretching challenge yeah, and the biggest kind of
0: roadblock for me personally. Just not being a lawyer, not being a subject matter expert in our business, basically.
1: Yeah, you know, not being able to like go and do the work with the people to figure it out so I can better position the people to be successful in the business. Yeah. So like even as much as like, You know, it's hard for me to get into the middle of that relationship. Like if we were running a roofing business, it's easy for me to get my butt up on top of a roof with a harness and a hammer and work right next to the roofer. So Mm -hmm. I can't really go to court and do the work and like pretend that I'm something I'm not in the legal space. It's not an option, so I can't feel
0: it. I recall pitching the idea of Sterling Law to you, what became Sterling Law to you in June of 13. And we didn't make the decision to pursue that until around September of that year. So it took a couple months of your due diligence for, I think, for you to really warm up totally to the idea. And one of my strategic thoughts relative to this, I looked around the family law landscape or what we would call business to consumers, so right directly to a client, not to a business. So we're not talking about a law firm that serves businesses. We're talking about a law firm that serves people, people law, is that there are very few firms that have grown beyond two, three attorneys in this space. And Mm -hmm. I think what we identified is that one of the primary, if not the primary reason for that outside of the regulations is that it's really tough to put several lawyers together that are complementary and understanding the law and the business of actually growing the law firm, the actual firm. So that to me still today rings true. I look out and I see very few firms that grow. And I think it's because the lawyers are excellent at being lawyers where they don't have training and they don't have experience and they struggle in is the actual building the business of it. So I think what we're talking about here today is a way for attorneys to break that paradigm by partnering with a non-lawyer because what you brought to our relationship, our partnership was a lot of business acumen, certainly the marketing expertise, the business process expert expertise, system building expertise. I brought the law firm and some of the relationship uh, components of it and it worked mm-hmm. for us even though you're a non-lawyer and the whole process and it's been quite successful from a standpoint of our relationship working out over the years. So can you talk deeper into that? And in particular, talk into how you have managed through not being the subject matter expert. Like how have you continually made those adjustments?
1: Well, I think so vulnerably for this to work. I think one is I needed to have an underlying trust with you that we were going to, figure that out because we didn't have it figured out when we started it was just like here's an opportunity if you want to invest in this together i need your time here's the resources that we can leverage i don't know how it's going to look but here's what the end game would look like we'll figure it out along the way so like vulnerably i needed to be able to enter into that you mm-hmm. uh, know that you were gonna live up to that and that's been good and then i think that same sentiment has been true as it relates to working with the team, because I can't intimately be close to the, to those things. And mm-hmm. so I needed to build relationships with people on our team to better understand what they were doing. So I could understand what the inputs and outputs were of their day to day so that I could better come alongside them to build what we've built and help problem solve through those things being bring different perspective to problems where we're working on the symptom we're not working on the root cause and move us to a place where we're working more on the root cause versus
0: just constantly talking about symptoms yeah one of the uh the dominant ideas we had in the early days was we could not mess up at all on the area of marketing we had to do an excellent job at digital marketing and so We could screw up in a lot of other areas, but we had to have that oxygen from new clients coming in the door and you allowed us to hit the ground. So we didn't actually open until June of 14 and you had six months to start to prepare for that by building our website, building all of our organic listings online and our paid listings and so forth. And I think Tony, didn't you also start to market for free for another law firm locally just to learn a few things to get going? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So we partnered with them and kind of under, they allowed us to understand what was going on with those interactions with their potential clients. So we could kind of build our model for what it would look like. And when we started, we didn't know a lot. So we weren't super focused from a practice area perspective. We were just trying to drive phone calls. And once we got a good feel for like how many calls it'd take to get a lead and how many leads it'd take to create a consult and how many of those we want to create a day before we're going to hire our first attorney, like that was kind of the step one. So that's what we endeavored on doing. And so can we just sat in a, what is now our mind how many falls off yeah. in the dark with a computer and just trying to plunk away at that problem and we're you know we're obviously much different now. yeah
0: well that marketing focus was our strategic advantage in the beginning we knew we couldn't let our eye off that ball and it remains one of our competitive advantages today and you built that whole process that's become quite complicated versus what it was back then so today We're generating about 225 ish clients a month. And if you back those numbers out, what does that require from a console and the lead perspective? I mean, real specifically,
1: we're driving about 92 leads a day. So that's from about 162 phone calls. So when you back that out, it's a lot of work and it's kind of understanding what are the dynamics of a SERP and understanding how to position ourselves in a search engine result to achieve that in a cost-effective way so right now to get where we're at for on 225 it's about 90, 92 leads a day that results in daily about 30 consults that we're scheduling 82-ish percent of those show up and then that that converts into the those funded agreements mm-hmm. so each one of those steps kind of is owned by different members of our team and they have processes to, to manage those and really pull those apart so we know whether or not we're on track or off track and how do we do next mm-hmm. as it relates to off track mm-hmm. issues. So and like kind of getting that all dialed in has been a challenge when I'm not at the beginning we were doing lawyer sales and we're now doing non-attorney sales and kind of just figuring that whole process out, never doing it before, not really being able to like feel the whole process it was, a, it was a lot of learning opportunity. Put it that way
0: yeah so from the the really the inception you've had the marketing you've controlled all of that you've also worked on our what we call our systems you can call it i.t you can call that you know crm management or whatever you want to call it but you've had that part of the firm Mm -hmm. as well and you've built up a pretty robust backbone on our platform on salesforce over the Mm -hmm. years what other responsibilities have you primarily carried since we've started as a part of our sharing of the duties? Uh,
1: Sales marketing has been done on me, kind of building, integrating our operations into a scalable platform, and then structuring the inputs and outputs of that so that we can report on the data. That feeds into a forecast that... So we can see, like, what is what are we going to do per month from a P and L perspective, and kind of have all of that those pieces intertwined, so that on a monthly basis we can understand what's happening and what's not happening, and what can we do differently mm-hmm. pretty quickly, so we can make changes and adjust where we need to. Because that happens in every business; nothing goes. Well. Yeah, everybody's got plans, but they never go the way you want them to be yeah. to go. So, so a lot of the people leadership on the non legal side has been my responsibility in setting up kind of pr- processes and frameworks for managing all of those pieces, primarily. By
0: what i'm responsible for it's somewhere along the way you also replaced me in the president's seat and you held that for about a year or so is that about right year and a half yeah can you talk to how our relationship has evolved over these last 10 years and let me just set context for everyone on this so tony started as an intern at another one of our sister companies as i mentioned earlier and uh tony you really didn't have a whole lot of business experience when you started with us i think you worked at ups and a Verizon or a I got a cell phone store, right? So that's the limit. Yeah, I manage a couple of movie theaters. That's and, right. Okay. UPS management. So. so I remember the movie theater <laughs> stories. And so when you joined us, you came in as an intern, eventually moved up to running all of our marketing, an eight person team for another company we had at that way back then. And you've oh, just proven yourself all along the way. So when you and I partnered up and joined this business, you were at a certain experience level. and. Frankly, along the way, you've passed me up in some really key areas. So if you could speak into that, what that was like, and maybe the struggles of kind of moving through that. And in particular, I remember a conversation we had a couple of years ago where you came to me very, very, I wouldn't say sheepishly, but very respectfully and subdued and said, hey, this is what I'm noticing. I'm actually growing past you here, Jeff. Let's talk about that. So i uh, talking to how you navigated those changes in our relationship. Cause they're real important.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was transparently, it was uh, weird. So like, that's the best way to put it because you start out like you've been my mentor for for a long time in a lot of different areas. So, Like when you pass your mentor in areas, it's like a, like a weird feeling. Like it doesn't make, doesn't make a lot of sense. You're like, Oh, this is kind of like, I don't really know what to do with this. I don't, I don't know how to talk about it. Cause like this, nobody teaches you how to do any of that. So that was like transparently, like I think it, it only worked because we had a good relationship where I could bring that to you and we could talk openly about it. It Wasn't like Wednesday. I was like, Oh, I'm not had a Jeff in this. And (laughs) then Thursday we had the conversation. It was like, Oh, I'm noticing this pattern. I feel like I'm, I feel like there's something here. When do I say it? Yeah. And I think it was like six or nine months went by before I said anything because it was just, it was weird. It was a weird experience to go through that.
0: It probably um, takes a while just to like figure out you're right. Like, was it, yeah, was it just like a I bad day that I had? You're like, oh, this has happened too many times. How do I bring this up? Yeah, it's a pattern. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I was, you know, I think just seeing like operationally how we were different, and how difficult it is for you to get into the details, and how easy it is for me to zoom in and out of the mm-hmm. details. So, yeah. you're usually like Jeff's skill is he's he's a great communicator, and he's he's out ahead of the firm. The energy and the timing on um, that out ahead is you know that's that's where I think I have a different viewpoint of how the things that you bring to our relationship can get implemented right and go through ideation to plan to implementation kind of working with the team on that and seeing how all of those how this new idea gets plugged in and how it connects and needs to impact the other pieces that are going to be impacted by that new idea so as as i start to see that patterning that's kind of was like oh all right i don't know how to bring
0: this up what's so cool about that tony is that i mean ideas are cheap everyone's got an idea it's the ability to like turn that idea into reality, the execution of that. It's interesting because you've now become in a lot of ways, my mentor on those areas that you're just so much better than me that I'd lean on you, look to you, ask you questions, like, how would you do that sort of stuff? And so it's come full circle. Actually, it's kind of reversed in some ways. So that's been cool that our relationship has been able to manage through all of that change, that even role reversal change over the years. Backing up a little bit, we talked a little bit about some of the challenges you felt as an operations system really focused on the executing type of leader that you are. The challenges you felt not being able to get in with the lawyers, do the work with them to help craft processes for them to be more efficient and enjoy their work more. And as lawyers, I can tell you that we are all very, very sensitive around anything deals with our discretion as lawyers and our Mm -hmm. law degree. And so naturally I can see resistance from a lawyer on anything they would feel like would encroach on their autonomy in those areas. But a lot of our practice deals with things that are outside of our legal judgment. They're dealing with relationships. They're dealing with our clients in a business process sort of way. They're dealing mm-hmm. with how we serve them. And those are all outside of that realm of that protected area, right? But a lot of lawyers sometimes don't see it that way. They see everything as within their judgment. And I know that in some cases have been resistant to take guidance and leadership from you in some of the business areas. A, I know that's been frustrating for us both because we want to help them get better. And mm-hmm. it hasn't been everyone obviously, but a few. How have you managed that part of our internal relationships over the years as we've grown from nothing to a team of around 75 today? I'd say on projects
1: that I'm marshalling, the biggest change I've had to make is the how to go about getting them to the place that they need to get to. So a lot of times, and this hasn't just applied with the law firm, it's directly applied with Rocket clicks. I've used it there as well because it's just a better change process, but it's more acutely important when you can't navigate the details because if you're not in charge of them you need to respect them. you need to appreciate them or you need to operate slowly move the team together ahead of time and just invest a lot of energy up front because mm-hmm. if you don't you're going to invest the same amount of energy it's just going to be on the back end and like you are not, you actually haven't saved anything you just made the culture worse yeah so that's been like just realizing like that growth opportunity in me has removed some of the frustrations, but I'm naturally bent for action. So like anytime I have to move slower, I'm frustrated. Mm -hmm. So like (laughs) um, that's a Tony issue, not a anybody else issue. But learning how to do that, bring in the right people, bring in the people that have votes of confidence from the whole team and get them to participate in the building of the thing up front. What I think, like, as people get closer and closer to me in a one-on-one coaching relationship, I will divulge to them where I'm at and where we're going to end up. And then we're just, we're like six months behind that. So just watch as it happens. Because my goal is to get the team to build this on their own. So, like, I could plug it in today. They're all going to be mad. Spend the same amount of energy. They're not going to own it. They're not going to want to do it. So I'm going to have to fight all that yeah. versus they built it, they owned it, they want to do it. They're motivated to move the change in. I have to do less work on the backside. So just learning that has been a hard lesson because I'm, I'm impatient and I'm stubborn. So that's a bad combination when you have to learn that, that skill. Yeah, so I've encountered that.
0: So <laughs> I can vouch for you there. Uh, you and I have had a lot of conversations where we just felt like we ran our face into the wall on leading through change. We've had to learn some hard lessons there. What are some specific ones that maybe stick out to you that we have worked through, and maybe even some wins along the way as we've kind of learned to go slower to allow our team to go faster? It's a good question.
1: I'm a bad person to ask wins because I always find problems with everything. <laughs> um, I think the way we built out our quoting tool with the attorneys, Worked really well because we worked in small groups ahead of time. They very much built that, right? And the inputs were modified and refined, and they were better as a result of doing that upfront. The structure looked very much the same of what the original thought process was, mm-hmm. but like they really got had got to author it because of how we did it yeah. versus just here's what we're going to do. We're slamming it in, deal with it, yeah. Because we've done that before too, and like that it doesn't work. It I, doesn't, I would, It's painful. It's hard.
0: I would offer up that that's probably been our biggest issue relationally in our first six, seven years of the practice was just pushing things too hard through without slowing it down. And the teammates who had to actually do the work, getting their input and taking our time, I think, boy, that's really damaged my abilities in some ways in some relationships by not going a little slower there. Well, cool. And then uh, just to kind of conclude here on how we structure things from an ownership standpoint. So we have our two law firms one in illinois and one here in wisconsin those are each separate Mm -hmm. entities and then we have a third entity that you and i share ownership in and that is what we call our back office sometimes but it really is an entity that handles or controls all of the intellectual property our website and all of our various online properties it has in it obviously our technology with salesforce and other tools that we use is also housed there And it also houses or holds all of the lease agreements that we have um, with uh, various locations. That's in Mm -hmm. contrast to our law firms, which have the relationships directly with the clients. Certainly all of the lawyers and the legal teams are paid and their payroll is through those other entities. So that's how we've structured it. So the the law firms simply just couldn't function without the website and all of the tools that it uses and so forth. And so that's been how we've worked around that so anything else you want to add to that
1: no I mean that's basically we support the firm and basically as our two primary clients or only clients and we try to help them operationally be as effective and efficient as possible and drive as many opportunities as we can for them from a market sales marketing
0: perspective yeah you and your team have been spectacularly consistent over the years that's one thing we've never suffered from is the lack of opportunity it's other areas that we've struggled with. it hasn't been that so that's thanks to your leadership there. Well, cool. I appreciate your time today. And um, anything you want to say as last word?
1: Uh, nothing that I haven't said already. Like a lot of what our success has been boiled down to and where we've won is just based on relationships, and managing those well. So as a almost robotic type human, I am. It's been painful to learn that, but uh, it's that's kind of where all the wins are. So kind of getting getting to recognize that and doing that with others and seeing them grow and seeing their opportunities improve. Like that's, that's been rewarding. It's been the most rewarding part of it. Very
0: good. Thank you.